Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Many years ago, many years ago, I, w- I, I had awakened. It was before the sun came up, which is kind of a normal everyday event in my home. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're raised on a dairy, that internal clock just some, sometimes, it just keeps. But I, I remember kind of, kind of grumbling and grousing about the fact that I was up. And when the sun came up, it was like the Spirit of the Lord said, this is a day I've made just for you. This is my gift for you. Unwrap it. Enjoy everything in it. Amen. And you know what? I believe that's exactly the way it is. God made this day for us. And I'm not going to miss out on one thing that he has for us. Amen? Amen. So this morning, we want to be open to what the Spirit of God is going to say in this service. We want to listen. How many of you have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today? Amen? May we hear his voice in our hearts. Father... This morning as we gather here, we pray your blessing rest upon each and every one of us as we come into this house. Father, you have brought us here not by chance, but by purpose. You have something very real to say to each one of us today. And Holy Spirit, help us to hear what you're saying to each one. I pray, Father, that you would touch us, meet us, and may we leave here different in the way that we've come. May your spirit come and bring strength where there's weakness, healing where there's sickness, encouragement where there's discouragement. May you build us and encourage us in your presence. May we find the healing power of your grace upon each one of us today. And Father, we're going to give you praise for all of this, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody can say... Would you stand with us this morning? The word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. How many of you glad for that? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the message of Jesus to each one of us today. Amen? Amen. Have, you ever, have you ever worked for a company or for a, a, a major corporation where they had a major change in leadership? You ever, it, it's always kind of an interesting rodeo ride, isn't it? And I, I heard about this company that they, they, they had a, a, a new CEO, and he came in, and he was going to, boy, he was going to show everybody who was boss. So to prove his point, he's walking down the hallway, and he looks at this young man, and he was kind of leaning up against the wall. He says, son, how much do you make in a week? And he says, 200 bucks, $200. He reached into his pocket, pulled out $200. He says, here, get out of here. You're fired. <laughs> he turned to the guy next to him. He says, uh, what did he do here? The guy says, he's just the pizza delivery boy. Would you turn and greet somebody this morning? <laughs> No, you're glad they're here. <laughs> if I could have your attention for just a moment before we begin, 
Next Sunday, we're going to be gathering together over at the event center. I'm going to let you be seated for just a second. Uh, There's just a few things we need to share. Next Sunday, we're going to be at the event center. We're going to have one service. So we'll bring both services together. It'll be at 1045. And a couple things that you need to be aware of. How many of you have a bulletin this morning? Would you open the bulletin, please? In the bulletin, there are several little things in there. One is a, a, a little thing that looks like this. Got a, you know, it, it says next Sunday, November 19th. Uh, what we're wanting to do, and I, I really want to fill that place. You know, when you pay the rent that you have to pay for something like that, you want to get your biggest bang for your buck. Amen? Let's fill that place. Let's fill every part of it. So here's a couple things. Here's a couple things that we want to do. One, uh, we've got company coming. Amen. I've heard people inviting people, and we encourage you to draw, bring people in with you. Uh, I'd like to see. I'd like to see the auditorium full. I think it seats four hundred and something. I don't know how much does it seat. 450? We're going to have to get some more turkeys. But, <laughs> but uh, the point of what I'm saying is let's, let's do our best to fill that. I really mean that. I have a special message that I, the Lord gave me just for this Thanksgiving. And uh, I, you know what? It's, it's good enough that I want to share it besides what we get to bless, be blessed by here. Amen? So I, I just, I really want, I'm going for souls. You'll hear it this morning in the message. And uh, so we want to do that, but if, uh, how many of you know what your last name starts with? (laughs) Okay, so uh, if your last name starts with A to M, A, B, C, all the way to M, if that's, you know what, you know what that means, that there's a list of things that we're asking you to bring. Bring enough for, to share with many others, all right? Would you do that? We're going to provide the, the, the turkeys and hams and mashed potatoes and gravy and, and the dressing, but we want all of these other goodies to go with it, all right? And then if your last name starts N to Z, all right, N to Z, that's dessert. So, you know... I think I heard from heaven. <laughs> so bring desserts, all right? And, and, and you know, pies and, and cakes and, 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 and pies and... and but don't bring, don't bring finger jello. Hard to get a hold of. I, I, you know, whatever you want to bring and gooseberry pie... Hint, hint, hint. I've been trying to get one for two years. They can't find the gooseberries. Anyway, we, we just encourage you to come. And uh, then, two, we're, we're going to take advantage of next Sunday. Uh, Thanksgiving, the holidays that are coming, we want to help food share here in town and, and Mapleton Food Share. I'm asking you to bring canned goods with you, and we're going to be receiving an offering to be divided between both Mapleton and, and Florence. Uh, there are a lot of people that just need a little encouragement during the holidays. Amen? And you know what? God's blessed us. Let's be a blessing to others. All right? So we're going to do that next week. 
Another thing that I would ask in your bulletin, there's a little slip in there. We, we need to update our uh, database. Uh, I've had people say, you know, they didn't get the messages that we've sent out over. How many of you get our, our voice message over the phone? Most of you do. Some of you don't. The reason you don't is we don't have your phone number. <laughs> That's simple. We don't. We try to be very careful with, with our, our calls. Uh, we, we make calls when we feel like it has the biggest uh, opportunity to touch as many people quickly as we can. Uh, we, won't, uh, we won't be calling you at 8 o'clock uh, in the, well, 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we, won't, we won't do that. We, but we do want to make sure that we have the ability to contact and communicate with each of you. So if you'd fill that out, you can put that in the offering if you would. We would appreciate it. Amen? You love Jesus this morning? Do you, you kind of like the person sitting next to you? Well, would you stand with me this morning and hopefully before the service is over, you'll actually love that person next to you. Amen. <laughs> Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity. We're here today to worship you. And I pray that, Father, as the word says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let us with all exuberance and all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our might give you praise for your well-deserving of it all in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Join us as we worship the Lord. How much do we owe? I owe all to you. I owe all to you. You know, it's a wonderful thing how God sees us. In the Bible, it says about God's people that they are a holy people that He has chosen for His glory. I was thinking about Philip when he met Nathaniel. He came to Nathaniel and he said, We have found him of whom Moses spoke, the Messiah. He says, Come and see. Well, Nathaniel was a little skeptical. And you could call him a skeptic. Some people would listen to what he said. And what a skeptical person. What a, a man of doubt. And he says, can anything good come out of where Jesus came from, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And he says, come and see. Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel coming, what did he see? Did he see a doubter? Did he see a skeptic? No, he says, here comes a man in whom there is no deceit. Jesus saw his heart. Isn't that wonderful? God sees our heart. He doesn't see what we are sometimes, full of doubt, full of fear, angry, frustrated. Come on. He saw you when you were full of unbelief. He saw you when you were full of fear and doubt and trepidation. He saw you when you had complaints, when you were critical, when you didn't believe anything. He saw you, but he didn't see that. He saw what he saw in you, what only he can bring out of us. Oh, I love God. I love God for that reason, because he loves you and me, and he always sees the best in us. Maybe you don't see that when you look in the mirror, but he sees it every day. And if you let him, he'll bring out the best that is in you and in us. So let's pray to that end. Father, in the name of Jesus, we sometimes are weak and we fail and we doubt and we sometimes are full of skepticism. 
But you see us as a holy people. You see us set apart, sanctified, redeemed, bought by the precious sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for seeing the best in us. And we pray right now that we'll just let go and let you bring it out of us. Bring out the best in us. Bring out the best of our love and our compassion and our submission. Bring out the best in us, Lord, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And can you agree with me by saying amen? amen. God bless you. We're going we're gonna to pray for the Christmas boxes. Regina, when she comes. Pastor. You know, we have, uh, we set a target of 200 of these boxes. I think in the community they set a goal of 300. And we're at 200 and 220 plus. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? And, uh, you know, every one of these boxes, uh, our little group of 200 plus and the community, whatever that's going to end up being, added to another community and another community and another community all across this country, it's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of boxes. And each of these is going to a child, a child. And every one of these child, children, they're going to go into a family unit. And our prayer is that Jesus will use these gifts and, and the message that's going to be given when they receive these gifts, that there will be millions of kids and moms and dads and brothers and sisters that will come to know Jesus as Savior. So it's not just a little gift, and that's wonderful to see the eyes of a little child light up because of a gift. But the biggest gift is Jesus. I'm, I'm going to ask you, I know you, you just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand, if you can. And, and would you stretch your hands out to these? Father, we're so grateful for so many people that have worked so hard. I thank you for Regina and the team she's had to, to put together this incredible program again here in our church. That, Lord, we can link arms with other churches throughout this country to impact the lives of families and children and to give the biggest gift, greatest gift that we can give anybody is the gift of knowing who Jesus is because his gift goes on and keeps on giving for eternity. Hmm. So, Father, would you go before these boxes and the messages that are going to be brought and delivered with these gifts to each child and each family. And Father, we're trusting you for a harvest of souls as these are distributed throughout the world. That, Lord, many will come to know who you are, the Prince of Peace, the greatest gift ever given. For, Father, we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Bless the gifts. Bless those that have helped us. Thank you for Regina and her team. And I pray, Father, you would just use these for your glory, and everybody can say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. And if you forgot, this next Sunday, bring them in. Either this week or next Sunday, you can bring them in. And yes. Did you take them out of the package?
Yeah. I was going to say, it's easier to take them out of the packages to break the legs. I just think that would work not real well. So we don't want to do that. But amen. Thank you so much. Isn't that wonderful to, to, to know that that's that many already this morning? Next week, I'm looking forward to it. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask our ushers to come. And uh, because next week we're trying to get an idea of how many we're going to be feeding, uh, we have some clipboards. And if you would just, you know, help me here. Uh, you don't have to necessarily put your name, but how many? If it's you and your husband, that's two. And if you, you and your husband and, and, and somebody else, that's if it's just you, that's one. But if you're going to bring people, kind of give us an idea of how many people we might, might anticipate. Because, you know, we, we want to make sure everybody has food, right? Right, so, so if you, and, and yeah, lots of pie. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I think he just, I think he likes food. Right? Right. So for Neil's sake, bring some food, would you please? <laughs> but if you would just fill that out and, and uh, pass that around, let's just go ahead and go ahead and start those. Just put how many you think. You don't have to. We, we're just going to do kind of a crib sheet. Give us an idea of what to anticipate. All right? Thank you. As we bring the Lord's tithes and our gifts, let's, let's ask his favor and his blessing on these. Father, in Jesus' name, bless each gift. We certainly do not take for granted the faithfulness and the generosity of your people. We pray your blessing over each one and Thank you, Father, for each one of these gifts we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you for your giving and for participating this morning. Amen. God's good. Amen? Amen. How many of you, how many of you like to play games and win? I mean, if you're going to play a game, I don't know how it works for you, but I don't play a game to participate. I mean, if I'm going to play a game, I'm going after it, man. I'm going to win. <laughs> Closest thing my wife and I have ever had in a divorce was who was going to win at Scrabble. I'm telling you, it just, and she cheats. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I'm standing on the platform. I wouldn't lie. <laughs> we were playing that game one time, and she come up with a name, Varp. V-A-R-P. There is no such word unless it's in Sherry's Dictionary. <laughs> and you know what? I gave her the points because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You, y'all understand what I'm saying? I don't play a game just to participate. I want to win. If I'm in a game, I want to figure out how can I win at this game. Well, life isn't a game, but I want to win. Hello? I don't want to just participate in life. I want to win. I don't want to be normal. Some of you say, well, Pastor, you've already succeeded in not being normal. <laughs> don't get too excited about that. But, but the point being is normal is just average. I don't want to be average. Hello? I want to do something a little more than average. I want to do something a little more than just normal. 
I seriously mean that. I don't want to just simply exist in life. I want to make a difference in life. I want to make a difference in the lives of people around me. I want to make a difference in my family. I want to leave a legacy behind me that says he actually counted for something. Hello? You all understand what I'm saying, don't you? And I think we all have that kind of an attitude or feeling. I think it's important. But I don't want to just win in life. I want the win in life. And there is the win in life. And, and I want to share with you what I believe that is in the Scriptures. In the book of John, chapter 13, we're going to pick up and read a story. Jesus, if there was one thing that he was all in on, it was people. Say that with me. He was all in on people. For God so loved the world would be crucified. Just before Judas would kiss him in betrayal, just before he would be taking to, taken to Caiaphas's house as the high priest, placed in a dungeon and there beaten 13 times on each shoulder and his back, before he would stand before Pilate and go to the fortress of Antonia and be scourged by the Roman centurions. Before he would have the crown of thorn impaling his head and into his skull. Before he would be nailed to a cross and crucified. The Bible says that he brought his disciples together. and Before the Passover meal, he did something rather unique. In John 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, I love this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Man, Jesus was in on people. He loved people. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he had come from God and that he was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he who has, is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Father, help us as we unpack this passage and understand this whole concept of being all in, what it means for the win. We ask it for your glory. How many of you have ever been to a foot washing service? I think they're the most disgusting thing in the world. I'm I'm just being God honest, truthful with you. To wash somebody else's bunions and funky looking toes is just not my idea of a real pleasant thing. I'm just being really honest with you. I've been to a few foot washing. I understand the the symbolism. I really do. And we're going to talk about that here for a moment. But the idea of washing somebody else's corroded feet is just not my idea of a real thrilling moment. And if we understand the time in which Jesus was living, the idea of civility and and courtesy and and, uh, hospitality was something that was a normal event in any given household, but it was always given to the most lowliest of servant to administer the washing of feet. The day Jesus lived, they didn't have paved roads. Maybe there were some cobbled roads, but most roads were dusty and dirty. Humans and animals lived and walked in the same area. The dust and the dirt was filthy. People walked either barefooted or with sandals. So when they would come into a home, their feet would be pretty dirty. And it was given to the lowliest of the servant to wash the feet of the guest. And here we have a picture of God the Son who puts himself into the very lowest position of doing the most lowly duty of washing the filth of the world off of the feet of guests. What I see in this passage isn't necessarily the idea that we are to have foot washing service as much as it is the servant heart and open arms to all around us. Jesus gives to us, I think, the supreme example that to truly be a a leader or anybody of any significance, you're not any better than the lowest point that you will stoop. It, it, uh, it, It overwhelms me. What he's saying is, how do you regard those around you? Do you embrace those around you? Have you, ever, have you ever found it easy to love the lovable? And sometimes very difficult to love the unattractive, the unlovable, the unkept? Most churches today want to see the lost saved, but they're looking for a better class of sinner. Am I being honest? Yes. 
We want sinners that kind of look like us and behave like us and smell like us. But is that what Jesus was telling us? How outstretched are our arms to those around us? I want to share with you a scripture. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 7. You must understand that Luke's gospel... Uh, really gives to us the latter part of Jesus' life on earth. This wasn't that many days, wouldn't be that long before the crucifixion. And here's a story, and I I think it's almost (laughs) laughable in a way that the Pharisees were having a party. I mean, a Pharisee having fun just doesn't seem like it works to me. I mean, they were always looking to ambush somebody you know, have you ever met people that if you smiled, they thought that you were sinning? <laughs> I, I, I've seen people like that. I mean, oh, they were so straight-laced. They, I mean, if you cracked a smile, oh, man, there must be sin in your life. Oh, the spirit of slap comes on with people like that. I'm telling you, it just does. But in this passage, it's a beautiful story. It is a unique story. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went, Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, there was a woman that crashed the party. She didn't come in through the normal procurement of the front door. I think she came in through a side door, maybe even the back door. Because the Bible goes on and it says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. That's a very nice way of saying she was a prostitute. She was used to coming in the back door. She wasn't invited. She crashed the party. I mean, this was a pretty uptight group of the frozen chosen. This was not, she wasn't on the guest list. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Perfume was a part of her trade. And this wasn't just any perfume. This was pure nard. This was extraordinarily expensive. It was in a semi-precious box of alabaster. Beautiful, beautiful box. And she stands behind Jesus, and she's so broken. The Bible says, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Whole different perspective of a foot washing service. It's interesting to see the reaction of the crowd. Reactions are sometimes telling. What a waste. What a waste that is to pour that ointment upon his feet. What a waste. It's like dumping it down the drain. How many people can be fed with that? Judas comes up with this. How many people? Are you kidding? He was a thief. He knew that if they could have that, it would be more for him to pilfer. What a waste. 
What a waste. But Jesus made a statement that I think is really interesting. He defended it. He says, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. November 12, 2017, Florence, Oregon is a long ways away from Israel. Two millennium away and thousands of miles in distance, and yet this woman's story is still being told. I can take you to every country in the world where this gospel is presented. Every nation in the world, doesn't matter whether it's Swahili or Amharic or a Bantu language or Indonesian or, or it doesn't matter where, Spanish or English or French or German, it doesn't matter. This story of this woman is being told because it's in this book. What a powerful thing. Can you imagine those words that Jesus stated, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Do you know what that had to have done to her self-image? When was the last time she was ever thanked or encouraged or, or, or built up in any way, shape, or form? When was the last time she ever heard an encouraging word, a word of, of blessing? She walked down the street and women reviled her and men looked at her in disgrace. But here's a man. Who looked at something different. To hear a kind word. You know what it did? It closed the book on an old chapter. And it opened a brand new book to a brand new life. A simple word of encouragement. A word that affirmed her. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe write, wrote, wrote these words, and I, I think they're very real. Treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can and should be, and he will become as he can and should be. Jesus understood those words. Jesus this, gave this woman something to live up to. That's what prophets do. If he were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman she is. He was a prophet, and he knew exactly what she had done, but he looked way beyond what she had done to see what she could become. Glory to God. I mean, that, 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 that re folks, you, you're not getting this. <laughs> Hear this word. But it's the exact opposite of what Pharisees do. What do Pharisees, they, they, they murmur, if he was truly a prophet, he would know she's nothing more than a dirty, filthy sinner. That's the only thing Pharisees could see. They looked at her and saw of nothing of value, of nothing of worth. All they could see was her sin. They couldn't see past their own noses. But I think Jesus saw an innocent little girl 
who was playing with her favorite little doll. Who in her dreams as a child, as a little girl, saw herself as a mother and a wife. Nurtured, loved, and protected. She didn't see herself as a child that someday she would become a prostitute. That's not what she saw. I've been at this for a day or two. And I've counseled hundreds and thousands of people. And I've had more than one young woman come into my office and shared with me that they had lived in a life of prostitution. And not one of them ever told me that that was something they desired. Because of drugs or because of being forced or because of circumstances, they found themselves reduced to that type of a life. None of them wanted to be there. None of them enjoyed it. None of them got anything out of it. It was, it was maybe survival. I remember in Salem on a wet, horribly wet, rainy Sunday evening. I was at the office early. I was down in the auditorium praying, and two young ladies came in, and they were soaking wet. And I knew when they came in what they had been involved with. We had an incredible group of people in that church, and we had a beautiful facility, and we had locker rooms with showers, all of that. And our ladies had gathered clothing, a variety of sizes, coats. They had all of the toiletries that, that could ever be needed. You know, I, I have a shaver I have a bar of soap and some shampoo and a toothbrush and toothpaste. That's all I need. My wife, on the other hand, <laughs> has drawers full of little jars. And I have no clue what's in those jars. I went with her one time to Macy's, and she went through one of these, the, the, the makeup place. And I'm looking around, and it says foundation. I thought I could get that at Jerry's. I don't know what that's about. I have no idea what that's. I don't know. And folks, I'm not giving up my man card to find out. <laughs> but we had all of this stuff. And I said, ladies, we have shower room here. There are dry clothes in there. Wonderful. You can have whatever you can wear. If you leave your clothes here, they will be laundered. You can come back on Tuesday and they'll be here for you. Take advantage of everything that's in there. It's for you. They did. And I immediately felt a sting in my soul. Because I knew those two gals were going to get saved that night. And I didn't know what I was going to do with them. Am I going to just turn them back out onto the street? Where am I going to put them? Where, where can, what can we do? How can I help them? We had the service. It was a beautiful service. I give the invitation. I was reluctant. I was, it's the first time I think in my life I ever, I knew I had to give an invitation. I knew they were going to get saved and I was, re, I was dreading it. 
And I no more got the words of invitation out of my mouth. And they hit the altars and tears were streaming down their face. And I didn't even want to go over and pray for them. I'm telling you, this I don't want to admit it, but I've got to admit it because it's the truth. Harry Wetzel came up to me. He and Vera, the sweetest couple in the world, and she was legally blind. Boy, they were a cute couple. He came over and put his arm around my shoulder, and he says, Pastor, do you know these young ladies? And I said, yeah. He says, you know what they do? And I said, yeah. He said, Vera and I have been sitting here, and the Lord spoke to us. We're to take them into our home. My normal response would be, you know, I think you need to be careful there, but God spoke to my heart. This is the answer that you've been asking. They took them in their home, and they, they, they took care of them, fed them, clothed them, helped them. Within a week, one of those young ladies took off, but the other one stayed around. We started a Bible college in that church. This young lady came in. She was disciple. She went to that Bible school. Within a year, God laid on my heart. We had a radio station, and I, I shared over the air one Sunday, one, one, one day, we need a home for unwed mamas and for young ladies that are on the street. We need a home that's a safe place, a protective place, a place that can, that can nurture them and help them and get them back on their feet and help them with an education and help them with a brand new little baby. Without going into all of the story, God gave us a home, five five-bedroom home, and there was a seven-bedroom complex out behind was going to be used for, for adult foster care. God gave that to us, $800,000 worth of property given to us that we called Hannah's House. And the first director of Hannah's House was that young lady that came in. Nobody, nobody is useless. There are no throwaway human beings in this world. And yet our society throws them away every day. But not Jesus. Jesus is in the people business. If there's one thing that he's all in on, it's people. He so loves people that he gave his only life for people. And how dare we, the church, you and I, categorize people and ostracize people and limit people. God have mercy on our souls. He saw past her past. He saw past her sin. He saw his own image in her. He's all in on people. And if there's anything I'm going to be all in on, it's people. Glory to God. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm all in on you. Amen. Amen. You see, it's kind of like looking in a mirror. God sees himself in us. But pastor, I don't see God in me. 
But that's because the enemy is trying to blind you to what God sees. God loves you. He loves the person beside you. He loves the person that's on the street. He loves that person that's looking for a meal. He loves that prostitute. He loves that drug addict. He loves the distributor of drugs. He loves human life. Jesus didn't die for spotted owls. He died for human beings. Pharisees treat people based on past performance. But prophets treat people based on future potential. Pharisees give people something to live down to. Prophets give something to live up to. Pharisees write people off. Prophets write people in. Pharisees see sin. Prophets see the image of God. Pharisees give up on people. Prophets give them a second chance. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been given a second chance? And a third chance? And a fourth chance? He gives me a new chance every day. Hello? We give people labels. They're Democrats, or they're Republicans, or they're Protestants, or they're Catholics, or they're Christians, or they're not Christians, or they're Jews, or they're Gentiles, or they're male, or they're female, or they're confused. We give, we give people labels. We give people distorted labels. And we kind of relish in the labels that we give people. But Jesus never gave people labels. We're white, or black, or Hispanic, or Asian. Jesus just sees human, human life. He sees humanity. He doesn't see, he doesn't see ethnicity. He doesn't see language. He doesn't see tribes. He doesn't see the tribalisms. All he sees is a human life that bears his image. Prejudice is prejudging. It's assuming bad stories are only going to end up in a horrible situation. But Jesus is in the business of turning bad things into good things. Giving a second chance. Giving an opportunity. Hallelujah. He did it with the woman caught in adultery. He did it with the thief on the cross. And he's going to do it for you and me. God cannot give up on you. It's not in his nature. He cannot give up. Say that with me. He cannot give up on you. It's not in his nature. He cannot give up on you because it's not in his nature. He's got enough to know enough to know that he can't give up on you. It's not in his nature to give up on life. But we do all the time. God says, I took a basin and a towel and I washed their feet, not merely because they had dirty feet, but because I loved them enough to wrap my arms around them. Not exclusive, inclusive. I went to see my mother this week. She lives in Ventura. 
And so I went down, flew down to see her. <clears throat> I had a few layovers. As I'm sitting there in Portland and in Seattle, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I sat and I thought, Jesus, and this message is going through my mind. It's, it's going over in my mind. And I mean, people, strange behavior sometimes, strange wearing of gifts of whatever. I mean, there were two gals that were walking through the concourse in Seattle last night, had bows on their head. I mean, like, and I said, man, what a gift. I said that to them. They said, we sure hope they like it. I have no idea where that was going. Just being honest. But what hit me was, God, they are a gift. They, 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 have the, they have the very unique fingerprint of God's image in them. What's their story? I saw an old man could hardly walk. Looked so downcast, looked so discouraged. Found myself praying for him. Oh, I didn't go up and lay hands on him. I just felt myself praying for him. People. I'm reminded of a time when I was in a rather large city in southern China. People everywhere. I mean, people everywhere. And I'd just gotten a CD, and I had it on a little cassette player, and I was listening to it, standing on this corner, Hundreds and thousands of people streaming by me. And I hear, I hear Steve Green singing, People need the Lord. And my heart broke. Because people need the Lord. And he loves people. And God have mercy. We must love. Because if there's any message that Jesus gave, it was the message that he was big on people. They're the ones he came for. They're amazing. They're exciting. They're unique. They're looking for answers. They're broken. They're fearful. They're weird. They're exhausting. They're messy. They're costly. But he loved them. This next year, we're going to have people coming into this church. I'm believing it. It's, I, I would almost give it as a prophetic word because we're going after a city. We're going after people, not merely a better class of sinner, but for the broken and the wounded and the bruised and the hurting and the helpless we're going to go for people that need Jesus. We're going to have little kids that come in here and they don't know anything about decorum. And they're going to run around and they're going to make noise. And I don't want any curmudgeon coming up and saying, shh. You do that. I mean, I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord's going to have to help you.
Lord's going to have to help me too. <laughs> when they come in, what we're going to do is we're going to love them. We're going to put our arms around them. We're going to walk them. We're going to share with them. And we're going to teach them. We're going to guide them, but we're not going to chew them out. We're not going to yell at them. We're not going to... And, and, and here's something else we're going to do. You're going to come in here and somebody's going to be sitting in your seat. And you're going to say, I am so glad you're here. Hello? There's no assigned seating in this church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Do you understand what I'm trying to share with you? I'm cutting this message way short. Because I think this is the message that God has for us today. We live in a world where people are wounded and broken and hurt. Where people are discarded time and time again. Jesus didn't discard that precious woman. He didn't put down her gift. As a matter of fact, when he was on the cross... There was a lingering scent of the perfume that she had bathed his feet with that went with him to the cross. Jesus loves people. And there's not one of you in this room this morning that got here by chance. You're not here by accident. You're here because the divine providence of a God that loves you drew you into this place for him to tell you this morning you're special to him. You have purpose in him. He loves you so much that he went to the cross just for you. And irrespective of what has happened in your life or where you have been or what you have done or what others have done to you, he cares about you. And he sees a future in you that you don't see in yourself. And if you'll simply go all in with him, he's going to go all out for you. Amen. Amen. I think that's enough for this installment. You can kind of put a bookmark there and we'll come back to it another time. I'm going to ask those that are prepared to help us with communion, if you would come, please. And then Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the New Testament. It's a new covenant, a new contract, a new agreement between God and us. And that contract is written by the very blood of Jesus I think it's going to take us getting to heaven to fully comprehend what that really means. A new covenant. Hmm. He sees past our sin. He sees past our past. And in the new covenant, he sees his image in us. God, open our eyes 
that we might see who you are, who's calling us, who's pleading with us, who's never failed us, who is not casting us aside or throwing us away, but bidding us to come and enjoy the fullness that can only be found when we yield our lives to him. So, Father, thank you for this cup. Because it's a new beginning. It's a new life. It's a new day. And so, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for Jesus who died to give it. And we thank you for the friends that are going to find him in days not too far from now. In Jesus' name we pray. Receive the cup.